Hello, and welcome to the Mock Stars Podcast, guys. My name is Jordan Garcia. I'm one of your hosts here, and I'm joined by my two good friends, Chris. Hey! And Evan. Give me to do! What up, guys? Uh, real quick. Weird energy off the bat. Very weird. Very weird, but we're going to roll with it, and I love it. We're popping off. So before we go any further past this weirdness, uh, just real quick, want to shout out our socials, everything, link down below. We got a link tree. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, all that shiz. We got the YouTube channel. Uh, we got episodes coming out every Friday, so stay tuned and uh, like and subscribe. Follow us along on this awesome magic journey, guys. Tell your friends. Tell Reddit. Tell, tell your friends. Tell, tell Discord. Tell your pod. Yes, yes. Tell your pod. All right, guys. So the main topic, which we're not getting into just yet, we're actually doing a new little episode today. It's called The Workshop. It is part deck tech, part kind of conversation. And we're going to be, some person will bring in a deck today. It is mine. Uh, we're going to talk about it. I'm going to give you kind of the rundown of it, and I'm going to pitch it to the table. We're going to talk about cards. You guys can ask me questions. I can kind of give you my my thoughts on why I have maybe some weird choices. Um, and then if you think it's all bullshit, then we can talk about changing all of it. Yeah, and we're going to be able to lend our perspective 100%. to that deck to hopefully find improvements uh, to help the deck you know, yeah. grow on its journey. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I am bored as hell of watching uh, deck tech after deck tech on YouTube, and it's just exactly the same. And then it's the second the commander comes out, we, we make a deck tech, and we never look at it ever again. Yep, we touch it, and then we uh, let it just float into the ether and exactly. never talk about it again. So hey, this, Have you heard about Teom, Luminous Enigma? Yeah, no. Uh, so this is uh, this is our version of doing that, and so we get to kind of marinate. We get to think about all the processes, all the th the things that synergize with this commander and the, the gameplay that we want to see come from it. Um, and then we can, after getting experience with the deck, now talk about it a little more mindfully, and then kind of pose questions about it. And so it's a little more in depth than just a little deck tech jamming out ninety nine cards and calling it a day. In-depth and interactive. In-depth, interactive. Yeah, we can change stuff. This is a, a list I'm going to be bringing to a couple tournaments coming up here. So, uh, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot. And then uh, getting some your your guys' perspectives, I'm happy to make some changes. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, but before that, we have our intro topic. It is the Ristic Update. It is our news segment. Uh, and today we are discussing what kind of news, Evan? I'm actually going to pay one colorless mana, and we're not going to talk about any of the news. You're going to skip yeah, the news. I'm going to pay we're, my taxes. We're right. moving on. Yeah. Right on to the main topic, guys. Okay. All right, just kidding. Evan, what is our news today? Well, what are we talking about? Yeah, I'm not sure if everyone is aware, but there was a very subtle but important errata to a couple of keywords that they're making deciduous now, mm -hmm. and that is surveil and landfall. So they just wanted to make the decision so that these keywords can appear in any set moving forward, and I mean because they're just such common abilities. You have to keep like, writing out the whole effect. Yeah, like landfall is no longer limited to just Zendikar. What was the last one we got when they? What was the most recent before that? What landfall? No. Or what was the like, most like recent where they started putting it on cards? I forget what it was. It wasn't surveil. I don't know what the okay. last like latest bringing stuff was. up. I'm unprepared to talk about. But okay, moving on. This one's very recent. This one is important because it changes the text on a lot of cards, and it also increases the value of very particular cards. Um, especially with Surveil, because Surveil was a mechanic that I think a lot of players wanted to see expanded upon after it came out in Guilds of Ravnica. Mm -hmm. Like, Demir Spybug was such a fun card to play with in Draft, and you're just like, whoa, this is, like, creepy, crazy, powerful, and now we're seeing it, like, gain steam in formats like Pioneer, because it's like, mm -hmm. oh, it hits the field, and then That's all of a sudden, good. all these cards that have been errated to include Surveil are now triggering this, so now you have a Flying Menace, like, 6-6 six, six that right. is just, like, punching face. So what, is this, what does this card do? Uh, Demir Spybug? Yeah. Uh, so it's a black and a blue insect, mm -hmm. Flying Menace, and whenever you Surveil, put a plus one, plus one counter. On. Flying Menace. Yeah, Flying Menace, yeah. Wow. So is, this, is there going to be, like, a Pioneer Surveil deck now? Uh, I mean, people are going to try it. There's no reason not to try it. Uh, Pioneer does not have a solved meta, necessarily. There's definitely some decks that are uh, clearly Tier 1, clearly Tier 1.5, Tier 2, but there is room, and the important thing with Surveil is that all of these cards are that are relevant to the deck uh, are going to be legal in Pioneer, mm -hmm. because Surveil, uh, even before it got errated to a deciduous... Uh, uh, 
mechanic. What, mechanic. That's yeah. the word we're looking for. Um, you know, it's a relatively new mechanic in this form. So there's going to be things that they wizards can errata from older sets that is not quite the same wording as surveil. Uh, so it doesn't quite work. Um, so any card that you think you're going to want for this deck, if you're going to try it out in Pioneer, is pretty much going to be it's going to be legal, right. which is nice. Yeah, most notably, I would say that uh, if any card is going to like really make an impact in Pioneer, it's probably going to be Search for Azcanta because like if you're going to want to play that like Demir Spybug like aggressive nature and like play that style, that seems like a rad like, combo. It triggers every single turn. It seems yeah. very good. Yeah, there's there's potential there because you can make a Madness deck in Pioneer that mm -hmm. that works and mm -hmm. that's with you know a dozen cards with Madness printed on them. Quick basically. question: So yeah. Merc Dead Regent. That was Modern Horizons, right? That's not Correct. illegal. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's okay. that's not gonna. Work. But you do have access to like consider, which is now errated to say surveil one, draw one. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like search for Ascanta. Once you get there and you flip it or whatever on the backside, there's also value there because it lets you search like look at the top however many mm -hmm. for an uh, instant or sorcery. So you can honestly find it. I'm not look. I'm not flipping a search for Ascanta more often than not. Right. Yeah. The only reason you would flip it is because you have another one in your hand and you would like to play it. To be fair, I, I've never played a format where I get to play four search for Ascanta. Yeah. It might be very different. Yeah. Uh, I think the important thing for me though is this errata, how crispy it makes these cards read. Ooh, yes. It is just so do more. clean. Just do more. So clean. Yeah. I think we're like yeah. actually starting to see them make steps forward, like take steps forward with that like in mind to say like, hey, let's uh, we've created this crazy card game with hundreds of keywords. Let's make it look crispy clean by just making this one effect that's very common mm -hmm. have one designated word. The fact that like the players often dictate the like vocabulary of this game a lot of the times. By the way, I did remember what I was trying to think of. It was Mill. Mill recently became right. its own oh, deciduous mechanic. Yes. Yep. And before that, again, it was just a it was a player created word essentially. We you know it was not official whatsoever. Yeah, for, for like Millstone. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So um, I like it. I think I agree. I think it looks clean as hell. Big fan. All right, Evan, what's that other uh, other secret piece of news? Yeah, another big uh, piece of news is that most recently we've been talking it's about secret. secret layer and there is the october 2022 super drop the super drop super drop all right it's been happening and uh there are some that are like we're really interested in mm -hmm. we're not going to talk about every single one of Too these much. like we i mean i want to buy the whole drop you guys know me i want every secret layer that exists ever i think for like co collector's purposes but there's only a few that like i was really really interested in this, for this one uh i have some exciting news for you guys Chris bought his very first secret layer. I bought my first secret layer. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, sure. Uh, I bought the Junji Ito secret layer. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, anime manga artist. I just absolutely love so his work. Good. The art is incredible. Yeah. Got it foil. Got the Japanese text. Yes. Uh, the value is not there in the cards, except for the personal value of playing better with cards that I think look cool. I don't know. I think a foil thought seize is modern playable. Oh, that thought seize is definitely playable. You could sell that off if you wanted to. And then carrion feeder is not anything to scoff at. And then a foil doomsday is pretty Foil doomsday pretty is sick. Although doomsday, I will say, in uh, EDH, I don't think is quite good enough as a sweeper. Unless you're only We know a guy who will argue to uh, unless you're, fight unless, tooth and nail for that. Unless you're only in black, you have a reach where Doomsday, I think, is like a third tier sweeper. It is. It's quite the build around, but uh, I've seen some people, and we know some people, that really put the effort in. He plays Rakdos for almost mm. exclusively. Sorry, and, and we're talking about Damnation. Doomsday is a different card. Oh, oh, you're talking about sweeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I hear you. Yes. Yeah, Doomsday is like, look at, you get to choose five cards. You make, a, you make a pile of six yeah. cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. essentially win the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the art on this is spectacular. Evan, anything you're specific, uh, specifically excited about? Any reprints? Any uh, cool art? I can't remember like the Not name a ton of value. Of it. Who's, who's the artist? I think you got it pulled up right there, but it's the Metal Gear Solid artist. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, this is actually some of my favorite stuff, too. It is Yoji Shinkawa. It's uh, the only artwork I've ever just instantly pulled the trigger on. Like, I've definitely thought about some, but this one, when I saw the skull clamp, it's I was crazy. just like... Yeah, that skull clamp is I, hot. Go yeah. check these out. I mean, all of the backgrounds are white, and then, like, they have these really cool abstract designs on the top, so I can only imagine how these foils are going to look. Yeah, um, and I saw the skull, skull clamp. clamp. Yeah, but and I was just like, oh... I'm hyped on... I'm honestly hyped on that Tezzeret the Seeker. Yeah. Like, I know he doesn't play a lot, get played a lot, but that Neg X ability to tutor out an artifact to the battlefield is used in a lot of combo decks. I've never Where seen there's a will, there's a way. Like, 
Exactly right. I've never seen that card before until it was spoiled in this secret lair. Really? Never saw it. Never. Played oh with yeah, it, like nothing. a lot of like low color blue decks that it combo like will use that to get their you know whatever piece. Yeah, like, I, I read it and I was just like, so this just wins the game, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh yeah, all the time. Um, yeah, and then on top of that, you get Solemn Simulacrum and uh, Fraction Metamorph. So, meh on the value on those two. But I mean, a lot of decks are going to play Solemn Simulacrum. They are staples. So, at the very yeah. least, they're the coolest yeah, looking version table. of those staples now. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. I thought uh, Simulacrum was actually good in Henzi because it just reduces the cost <laughs> and it dies I thought at the end of the turn. So, that was pretty cool. But uh, as far as like the artwork goes, since it has a white background, we've been seeing it with like the Mystic Remora and stuff like that, where they use white highlights to like make the foil look crazy cool. Mm -hmm. um, and when you get these in non-foil, I think the colors and the palettes are actually going to shine a lot better uh, on, on a flat background. Right. Like, if you get the foil, you're flexing, and, like, you want that, like, rainbow background. I am, and that's why I'm, like, I'm getting two of each. I'm getting two non-foil. I'm going to get two foil, too, because I want the, like, Damn. the foil for myself, but I also want the non-foil because I think it's going to have collector's purpose beyond. That's fair. Yeah, but this whole drop is, like, crazy. Yeah, just shouting out a few things so we can move on. Uh, the Post Malone set, uh, I'm, like... Post is fine. Like I'm like okay. Like Post Malone, go but, for it. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. kind of whatever. But the Jet Medallion foil reprint is uh, hot. That is going to be really sick. Out of that, hopefully this is like a domino effect, and we're starting to see all of the medallions get reprints because it's just been long yeah. overdue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to shout out is uh, I mean, we were talking about how awesome those Galaxy foils are out of the Infinity set. While well, they're doing Galaxy foils on some lands that are not getting printed in that set. Uh, Ash Barons, Command Beacon, Fabled Passage, and a Strip Mine in that set. And for 50 bucks, I am very much considering getting that. I mean, yeah. Strip Mine is playable. Uh, strip Mine's playable. You know, Fabled Command Passage. Beacon. Did it say Command Beacon or Command Tower? Command Beacon. Command Beacon, definitely playable. The other two, uh, I Meh. mean, maybe. Uh, well, I play Fabled Passage sometimes. Yeah. yeah, and Ash Barons isn't like totally worthless. And uh, on a previous episode, I had said, like, if you want to know what a Galaxy Foil looks like, go look at a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Apparently, that's not right at all. You should be looking at Pokemon cards because that foil is the same exact foiling that they use on the first generation of Pokemon cards. So if you were to hold wow. up a, like a Cedra or yeah. whatever right next to it, it was actually the same exact print. So they Love just that. did it for the whole art, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, check, take, take a look at it. You know, I don't think out of as far as the super drops go, it's the most bang for your buck value. I would not buy the whole pack. There's, I, I can't imagine the consumer, the hypothetical consumer that is buying the entire super drop this October. You're Ooh. all over the place. Like, who? Yeah. <laughs> who's the person that likes Junji Ito, Metal Gear Solid? Post Malone and uh, Cute Pets or, or whatever it is. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of like a bipolar-looking super job. Honestly. You sort of have to be fiscally responsible, yeah. too, because at the end of the month, we all know that 30th anniversary drop is coming. There's another secret layer so, drop, this is, and right in between that is Brothers War, or I guess right after that is Brothers War. Oh, hey, and there's actually another secret layer drop happening. Like, right now, they're leaking card card by card every single day, and that's the Extra Life 2022. Yes. So we're going to see that. We don't quite know what's all in that yet. By the time this episode comes out, we might know. But Are you guys tired of buying magic cards? Yeah, guys, it's almost like Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast wants a, like, constant revenue stream yeah like they figured out a way to keep us spending money all the time are we in a capitalist society or something That's i think so <laughs> <laughs> all right guys well uh i think we can uh, hop off the uh the soapbox that is uh it for the ristic update today let's get into our main discussion um i am bringing my deck to the table this is my baby this is what i've been working on for a year two years at this point it's Seems actually like it's been a long time it's kind of ridiculous because i hop around a lot on decks and the fact that this is still together is uh Kind of crazy. So I'm looking at this deck list. This is like uh, a casual like five six deck. Is, Super is low we're power. Running? We're calling this Battle Cruiser. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> we're just joking. This is my tournament deck. Uh, so this is a CDH deck. Um, if, don't yeah, if you guys aren't interested in CDH, uh, I, I don't think there's um, like you're not you're going to get a lot of useful information just by yeah, listening to don't this like we're not we're not a cdh podcast we're not a you know casual only yeah. podcast you know like, don't be deterred this is actually gonna be super entertaining because you're gonna be hearing about strategies that yeah like that's more than anything yeah. what we care about is just good strategies good deck building kind of good deck it, gameplay it, philosophy that's yeah what it's, we like. it, i mean cdh isn't uh gatekeeping it's not all combos and infinite it's just people uh, doing everything they can to win. It games are interactive. Yeah, yeah. Like there's, there are things that translate to 
whatever your pod is doing. Yeah, exactly. And everything it just curates the game you're looking to play mm-hmm. instead of you know mm-hmm. just it being command. You walk into Commander Night and it's just you're rolling the dice on what you're about to play. Like you're playing CDH, you know exactly what you're getting, and honestly, that is what I love about it. Yeah, I've said that for forever. It's like CDH is a mentality. It's not necessarily like the cards you bring to the table. It's about how you're playing the cards and how you're interacting mm-hmm. with the table. Exactly. Okay, so. Uh, let me uh, let me tell you guys about this deck. This is my Grixis Malcolm deck. Uh, I call it that because uh, it is Malcolm and Vile Smasher partners, and I really never ever play Vile Smasher. So it is my Grixis Malcolm deck. Um, it does a lot of Grixisy things, but I think uh, it's a lot more interesting than just that. Question mark. You guys can determine that. Um, I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's start off like very simple, and we'll kind of get a little more granular as we go. And you guys feel free to ask me questions and chime in. Um, let's start with win conditions, how this deck wins the game. When you're looking at a deck like this, it kind of looks overwhelming, or you look like you're not going in any direction. Okay, so how do we win the game here? Most obviously... Thassa's Oracle, Demonic Consultation, Taint to Back. We all know this. It's a fringe strategy. <laughs> exactly. You know? It is the most efficient win condition in the entire format. And so if you're playing the colors in a competitive sense, you're probably going to be playing this, this combo. That makes sense. Um, other than that, Malcolm has this fantastic one-card win condition called Glinthorn Buccaneer. It is absolutely ridiculous that they printed this in the, s- in the same set. No, they're not in the same set. Okay. That's a little better. Yep, core 20. Core 20. Cheap card, though. Still a very cheap card. $4 for the foil is ridiculous. Anyway, if you guys don't know, Malcolm says whenever one or more pirates you control deal damage, not combat damage, damage to your opponent, you create a treasure token for each opponent dealt damage. Glinthorn Buccaneer, it's one red, red for 2 4. Haste, whenever you discard a card, it deals one damage to each opponent which then would subsequently see Mal- have Malcolm see that, and you would make three treasures for that one ability triggering. Um, it has an activated ability, Glinthorn, of one red, discard a card, draw a card. You can only activate this if Glinthorn is attacking. So if you are able to go to combat step, you can do it the turn you cast Glinthorn, because he has haste, which is phenomenal. Um, you'll attack, and then at any given point after you've attacked, as, since you've declared him attacker, before damage, uh, before blockers, after damage, whatever you want, you can activate this ability. Once you activate this ability and Malcolm's on the battlefield and you have three opponents, you essentially win the game. You get to hit everybody for three, make three treasures, uh, and then use two of those three treasures to activate the ability and go again. And you'll essentially do this as long as you have enough cards to hit everybody that many times, which is only going to take maximum 40, uh, you're going to win the game. So that is awesome that it's you have a three-mana three, tra- three mana commander and you have a three-mana win condition that's also pirate in your deck. Um, other than that, the other win condition is going to be an Underworld Breach line that also uses Thassa's Oracle. We like to layer our combos so that we don't have a bunch of dead pieces in our hand. Um, and that main win condition looks like Underworld Breach with a Lion's Eye Diamond and either a Brain Freeze and a, or a Wheel of Fortune. Uh, the thought being there that the Lion's Eye Diamond helps you pay for one of those two spells and that they will continue to fill up your graveyard while you continue getting to fill your graveyard with your deck and then getting to cast any of those spells you happen to run across at that point. Um, usually, the goal is to just do enough times to make enough mana to mill yourself out and then cast Thassa's Oracle, or alternatively, make enough mana and then wheel or mill everybody else out and then just pass the turn and let them lose. Um, so you have the flexibility there. If Thassa's Oracle gets exiled or something like that, there's still options for winning. You can just brain freeze everybody else instead of yourself. I find more often than not, I just brain freeze myself. Um, okay, so those are my main three ways of winning this game. Do we have any questions there? That is pretty much straightforward Grixis bullshit. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole shell around this, like making yes. all that stuff work, which yes. is where we're going to get into like the nitty-gritty. Yeah, I don't care to really talk too much about what a cast deck looks like. Like, If you want to go see what cast is, it's been doing cast for you know 10 years at this point. You just add Underworld Breach and some stuff. Like, I, I actually do have a question. Okay. Uh, while we're on Thoracle, is yes. there a reason you're not running Praetor's Grasp? That is a great question. I mean, because, you know, and, you know, for people who don't understand that, typically you're just going to want to grab your opponent's Thassa's Oracle if, for whatever reason. If right. yours is unavailable or or it's like tutoring, because in CDH, a lot of your opponents will also be running Thoracle. Right. And you just have access to it. And that card, Praetor's Grasp, will either grab their pieces, uh, meaning that they can't go off with the Thoracle combo, 
and also enabling your own. Uh, do you have do you have a specific reason you're not running that? That's a great question. Uh, I think part of it is just space. Okay. Um, and I like to really prioritize my efficient low mana tutors. So my so I have a follow up then. Okay, hit me. You're running Imperial Recruiter. I am running that, Imperial Recruiter, which costs three mana. Mm-hmm. The same and it, as Raider's Grasp, and it has six viable targets in your deck. <sighs> yes. None of which. Wow, you've studied this like in only the last one of few which is actually <laughs> one of your win cons. Two of which. It two. grabs Glinthorn Buccaneer and it gla- grabs Okay, Tosses okay. but. If you're running, if you're playing Grixis and you have yeah. access to uh, black and blue as well, I feel like if it only has six viable targets in this deck, mm-hmm. there are more efficient uh, tutors that you have access to. I like you, you could just run Grim Tutor in that spot and grab whatever you want, or you can throw the Praetor's Grasp in there and grab whatever you want out of your opponent's deck. There, there is the utility of Praetor's Grasp completely kneecapping some of these like higher tier meta decks. Like right now, we're seeing totally. Rocco, Rocco hit like top like top tables and stuff. And if you just if you Praetor's Grasp a Rocco deck and you just take their Kiki Jiki, they're just mm-hmm. done. Yep. they're done. You take their Karmic Guide. Oh, bye. Like. You know it's a food chain deck. Yeah, you just take out whatever combo piece. Jordan, you know. just just thank me at the final table. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, and Grim Monol or not Grim Monol, Grim Tutor was Got him. Pr- pretty much my hundred first <laughs> card. Um, so yeah, I will definitely consider that for sure. You right can, now, you can borrow mine. Ooh, word. Uh, yeah, right now my tutor package looks like I have a demonic tutor, a Diabol content, a gamble, an imperial seal. You got the wish claw in there. And a wish claw. I'm pretty sure. And then the imperial. Take the wish claw out. I mean, there's something to be said about taking Wishclaw out and then putting in one of those two cards. I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, I will say the upside of Wishclaw is getting to do that, like we talked about last night, is that the one mana on your next turn. So you play it for two, and you don't try to activate it that turn. You pass the turn, and the next turn it costs one generic for you to find your other combo piece and win the game. Yeah, I really don't have ground for like taking Wishclaw out because like after we talked about it yesterday, it was like... Um, like I was like, hey, it's slow, it's three mana or whatever, and you can only activate it during your turn. But it doesn't say you can only activate it at sorcery speed. It says you can activate it only during your turn. Mm-hmm. So like Jordan made a really strong case for it by saying like, well, imagine if it's just sitting there, right? And then you're having a counter battle with somebody else at the table or like someone's interacting with you. You can just pay the one, go get the card you need mm-hmm. for it, give it to someone who's just not doing that well. Or there's whatever. always a dud at the table. Yeah, there's yeah. always a dud. So like you hit the. And if you don't know who it is, out. it's you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, when he made that case, I was just like, "Gee, yeah, I mean, I want to keep Wishclaw in." Yeah, think of it as like a like a pseudo um, Ranger Captain of Eos, right? Like you use it on your turn, or you have it on there on your turn. You say you don't need it to find your combo piece. You just go to attempt your win on your turn anyway. Someone decides to interact. You're like, "All right, well, I have the mana up. I'll go go to Force of Will and I'll counter it for no mana, and then just keep on going." It's essentially like yeah. a, a, just another form of interaction there. Yeah, Wishclaw is printed with a downside right on there, but I think that's a misdirect because it is, as we're talking about it, it's pretty much all upside. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it has a lot of uh, hidden upside. I'll throw another one at you. The amount of times I've given it to another person and then used that tutor to get a dock side, and that additional treasure was all I needed to win the game. It has been more than once where that has happened. Yeah, so looking back at this, I think like when Ritter was like saying that like hey, you can take this Imperial Recruiter out, I've, I actually firmly stand by that now. I think you can take the Imp Recruiter yeah. out and just go for something that's going to pick anything you need. I don't disagree with that. I think I if I was going to do anything, Imp Recruiter comes out and I put Grim Tutor in uh, just because I'm running Dark Rit and Calling the Weak, uh, which is just two black rituals, which would be easy enough to resolve a tutor off of. Um, like I, I know you've been yeah. um, playing like You've been at least dabbling more in like creature-based shells and stuff like that, yeah. and so like now, like this is definitely not that. Right. Right. Mostly, is- mostly my thought here with the Impercruder is it, it allows me to play like uh, through like a deafening silence, mm-hmm. um, so I can okay. Impercruder grab Glinthorn Buccaneer, and then my cu- entire win condition is creature-based from there on out. I would say That's the fair. most common stacks piece is probably deafening silence. Yeah. Everyone's looking for that turn one drop to like slow the table down. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. There is some upside to it being a creature. Also, having a certain density of creatures is nice because, like I said, I'm playing uh, effects like Calling the Weak, and I need a Sacrifice Outlet. I have a Diabolic Intent in here, so having a few is good. But I definitely see Grim Grim Tutor being a pretty solid addition. Plus, it has that really sick artwork that you showed me. And oh, I my really God, that secret it. layer? I really want it. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, what's the, what's the potential of having, because you're talking about like Calling the Weak and like using, like having creatures available, what percentage of games do you think you have Malcolm out on turn one or turn two? 
but turn one or two, yeah, ninety nine percent of the game. Yeah, so like, like I, I I mulligan until I have a turn one or turn two Malcolm interaction and a draw engine or a payoff. Right. Essentially, like I either need a tutor to get a win condition, or I have a Malcolm with a fierce guardianship. Like if I have fierce guardianship, jewel lotus opening hand, that's a very strong start. Especially if I have any kind of payoff after that, uh, you do have to be mindful of trap hands, and it's taking me a lot of playtesting to be like, yeah, I have a lot of fast mana, and I got Malcolm out, and maybe I have one counter spell, but I'm not going anywhere. And once you have Malcolm out, and you're just dead on the in the water. Like it's not really. So that is actually why. I feel that. I feel that. Um, yeah. So more of talking about like kind of the history of this deck i've changed it pretty significantly this was much more pirate focused much more creature focused i would say it was not nearly as powerful as it is now um, but it did have a lot of great synergies and a lot of great combos it played a little bit more like a, a mid-range deck because of that you know running i'm not running uh grim hireling anymore i'm not running professional facebreaker anymore um oh, my favorite variant was mm. the first variant <laughs> i know i know yeah yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. like what what very like where did it start like when you built this and you started like what were you like what was your first mindset and i know you wanted like that glint horn buccaneer like combo line yeah and we were not necessarily cdh players or like pursuing tournament play right you know so like this we was were still firmly in like the mid to high we were just optimizing decks. yeah we were just optimizers inherently and that's remember, why we got here yeah i remember sitting at phoenix and you bust that deck out for the first time and it was just sitting there it and popped off yeah it popped off and we lost three games in a row to it because we were just <laughs> yeah, like i did I, I went undefeated that night I yeah forgot. we were we were just sitting there like okay, I guess we're going home and we're looking at deck list because <laughs> that can't happen again. Yeah, so that is how it started. It was more of a high-powered deck. It was a lot of fun. It was, I love Masquid Nexus. It's a freaking awesome card. And at the same time, I also love um, Pyre of Heroes. I really think breaking creature typing is a relevant strategy. It's and I the think, future of the and game. And we've been talking about it a lot. I think creature typing will become more and more and more relevant. That'll give, be a whole different Give topic. party enough payoffs and... Maskwood Nexus becomes very, very good. Exactly. And like how if you just think about Maskwood Nexus long enough, you'll be like, holy shit, does it do some work? I think I'm sitting on four borderless foil copies because yeah. I'm just like, uh, this is definitely an investment piece. Right. So yeah, pretty much the whole I was calling it curious pirates because there wasn't a ton of pirates, there was enough, but then all of everything else that wasn't a pirate became a pirate via Maskwood Nexus. This current list that you're running and uh people will be able to find this deck on Moxfield and mm -hmm. we'll have a link below. Yep. Um, you're currently running three pirate payoffs, one of which is Dockside. Uh, so you're running two pirate payoffs, Glenhorn Buccaneer and Raghavan, mm -hmm. which honestly is enough. Yeah, honestly, that's kind of the point I got to is I, pro I probably had maybe 16, 18 creatures when I first had this deck, and it is now 11 creatures. In, yeah, you're, like you you're said, increasing the density of quality cards. There, exactly. Taking pirates Exactly. Out. Like, as we've, like you said, Evan, we're optimizing, and what I found is, well, I, it's, it's hard to cut the cute cards, especially when you love those cool strategies, but, like, when you're trying to build a competitive deck, you need to just maximize card quality a lot of the time. And you might not you might not even have room for your one pet card in a deck. Honestly, honestly, like yeah. I find myself cutting pet cards all the time. That if professional you, face breaker is not in this deck. It's not in this deck. Uh, I've been swearing up and down that people need to be playing dress down more and more, more and more. Not in this deck. Mentally, it's just really hard to like create that separation. Like I know that there are a lot of people out there who've like built decks and they've like won in ways that they love to see it or like that were surprising. Mm -hmm. And so like when you're optimizing a deck and you see the way that you won before and it was because of this one specific card, it, it, may, be, it may be cute. It may be like synergistic in some way and powerful in other ways. Yep. But like when you're optimizing, it's just like, you got to cut it. Like when I, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm like cutting, um, you know, like when I was building Zakama and just like cutting out like the mana doublers, like breaks my heart because there are so many times when I flashed in a dictator car metro on the end step and then won the game because I had enough mana to cast a common and go infinite. Yeah, you know it's like that's great, it's but fun. It's it's fun. Yeah, but yeah. like yeah, exactly like uh, I think a card that was in the original list that's a good example of that is Trickery Charm. It stayed in so long and we love Trickery Charm. It lets love you it. change the creature typing of a creature. So I was running Mayhem Devil and I was running. Uh, Reckless Fireweaver, and so once you turn either of those into a pirate, and then you get their trigger one time with Malcolm, they go infinite, just making treasures and pinging. Kill the board, yeah. Kill the board, and so there was just tons of things like that where you got these really weird layered combos, and that was the second card that would 
change of typing other than Maskwood Nexus. If I'm casting my vote, that is my favorite variant. It was really fun because yeah. you had all these different things and all these different strategies. Like I had a Magda line that would allow me to grab Niv-Mizzet. And so I was playing Curiosity and then I could, you know, I have Vile Smasher in the command zone. So, you know, put a Curiosity in that, put a Curiosity on Niv-Mizzet, put, well, you, put a Curiosity on Glinthorn Buccaneer. You created so many treasures with this, like, with this, like, shell of pirates creating, you know, just inherent yeah. value. And then all of a sudden Magda hits Magda's the board. Magda's amazing. You sacrifice five treasures, you go get the Maskwood Nexus, and then you can yep. go search your library for anything. Yeah, so pretty much 10 treasures and I could win the game because I would go as long as I had Malcolm out I would go Maskwood Nexus and I would go uh, then you can get any creature because it said Magda says sacrifice five creatures go get a dragon well now every creature in your deck is a dragon thanks to Maskwood Nexus so yes. you just go Mayhem get, Devil or some shit go get Mayhem Devil and then sacrifice something and you win the game um, this this is a good example of how you know you can take the shell and just go up and down the power level for totally. whatever your pod is. Totally. And yep. there's so many different strategies within this, you know. Yep. I know there's probably another episode somewhere somewhere here in the works about like power level and like what does one mean? What does two mean? And like all the way up to ten. Means nothing. It, it, yes. it means nothing. It's, 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 it's jank, it's CDH, and it's everything in between. <laughs> and everything what does. you're what you're gonna play is based on the conversation you should be having with your pod yep. before the game. Like how to I'm, curate your, your group, otherwise if, it doesn't go well that time. That if much. I'm sitting here in low and I'm like to give this a number, I'd probably say it's a seven. Yeah. What the, the Oh yeah yeah there's a list right oh, here. Okay. It is a seven, you know? Pretty much all the time it's a seven. Yeah. Um so that is kind of the general consensus. We talked about kind of the original deck and how we've kind of grown. Um this is a much more nasty Grixis list. So instead of prioritizing those weird pirate synergy combos, we're a Grixis list. We win with ad nauseum. Uh, I guess I should have talked about in the win conditions. It's not exactly how we win, but you win the game when you cast ad nauseum. So we have ad nauseum and we have Pure into the Abyss to let us draw a billion cards uh, and usually win the second we resolve. Um, can you imagine just casting one of those cards for just no reason, just for funsies? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, no, it's just like I can draw four cards. Really. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine the amount of times you sit down in a casual pod and they're like, "Oh, you have Adnaz in this deck, but I just cast, I just cast it for value." Yeah. I mean, they don't even know to like qualify, quantify it. They're just yeah. like, "Yeah, I'm running Adnaz," and it's like flips an eight, eight drop. Like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll pick it up. There's a lot of real good cards in here, but I am an idiot, so let's drop that power level down to like six. <laughs> <laughs> But you've uh, you've you've taken this to like a different level, and I think that like earlier we were talking about like this being more your deck than it ever has been before. Like you feel more comfortable with this than you were before because I remember we played at Marchesa, and the thing right. was is that this was just Grixis nonsense, and yeah. it just had every good Grixis card, and we weren't like. You but I didn't. Like I, winning games. You did win a game. Yeah. But it's like you, it wasn't playing out the way that you felt was true to you as a player. Yeah. And it was clunky. It was clunky because I was still, I, like we said, I still had some holdouts. I still had some pet cards from the original build when we went to Marchesa and I had the Siren Storm Tamer. Siren Storm Tamer literally just came out of the list. I uh, decided not good enough because it's not. Um, but yeah. So yeah, the, that version was just a lot more. All right. Screw all the pirates. We're just going to do ad nauseum and kind of focus that. Um, and but at the same, I guess not. Not screw all the pirates. I had enough to like, I had enough chunkers. I was running. I think I was running like, uh, wandering archaic, and I was running uh, grim hireling and stuff. So just like, way too much high CMC stuff. Well, so well, the dual purpose was that like Siren Storm Tamer was going to be a mana dork because you know you still had that like percentage of getting Malcolm out like ninety percent of the time. Right, and you get to protect one. your Malcolm. You get to protect your Glint Horn. Yeah. But really, when it comes down to it, Science Storm Tamer is a mana dork that taps to make a treasure and has a blue activated ability that is not that good. I'd rather play a counter spell. Yeah. Um, so, the one thing um, I want to bring up is uh, wheels. It's There's a whole episode here to talk about at some point, but wheels were great for a long time, and now it seems like everybody thinks wheels are terrible. Um, and Giving people cards is bad. I yeah, mean, I mean, there's decks that wheel to wheel. You are wheeling for a purpose here. Yes, there's decks that are just chaos wheel. There's decks that or and there's players that just don't know when to properly wheel, and so they just wheel even though everybody just dumped their hands out with fast mana, and now they get to just have seven new cards. But this deck strives to leverage that tactfully. Um, and the reason I've circled back to wheels is because... I'm playing a Grixis list and I have no card draw in the command zone. I have no card draw in the command zone. Uh, so I need to make sure I'm getting card draw elsewhere. And you really don't have like a big mass of cantrips in this list. I either. don't have a big mass of cantrips because it's a, again, we're, ta we're looking for card quality. Yeah. Um, so I run 
so this this segment, I guess, or this sec- section, I'll call card quote unquote velocity. Some people do not like that phrase. Uh, I term that as just kind of the speed at which you're seeing your deck. Evan says I, I go through my deck a lot when we play, and that's true. I envision you as a Nicolas Cage in Gone in 60 Seconds. <laughs> yeah. That's the Thanks, pot man. calling the kettle black. <laughs> Evan, who sees 30 cards every turn in every single one of his decks. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So um, so as far as Cantrips Ritter, I'm really looking at Brainstorm, Ponder, and uh, we can call Gitax and Pro a Cantrip as well. Mm-hmm. We, had a, we had a discussion of this uh, off mic, too. That Dark Confident that you're running might as well be a ponder or something else. Yes. You're going to get so much more value. Exactly. Something exactly. Else. I mean, that's at the top of my list. If you're like, I'm like, because you're playing Adnons, just losing life to that. Like, I'd be like, oh, Dark Confidant, you can maybe like find something different. But like, I, I understand it too, because it is the card draw that you need. Right. It's the lifeblood of your deck to like, you need to see more. Right. I, will, I do, I don't disagree with you that, you, you know, it does technically make your Adnons less effective. But at the same time, I've also heard Dark Confidant referred to as a slow ad nauseum because it is the same effect. Mm. You're revealing a card losing the life. So if my deck is already built around it and has such a low CMC as to where. That's not really impactful. It just allows me to, if I can turn one a dark confidant, it just gives me another draw source. You've heard of sad nauseum. Now we have <laughs> slad nauseum. Slad nauseum? We're taking that out. Please edit that out. Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> and the reason you're not playing something like Necropotence in this deck is combination of too slow and then you also want your graveyard that's a great question and some lists do play uh necropotence some lists go hard and not only do that but they also play bolus of citadel which i don't think is the right move um the reason i'm not playing necropotence here is because i really like winning with underworld breach i think it's an incredible line and i think it just turns into a non-bow it turns into a non-bow you know you're you have to discard every card into exile all of a sudden i'm running a wheel package that if i at any point use that and then cast a wheel all of those are going into exile um so yeah i i don't run it i don't have the spot for final fortune to also try and get that extra turn after after the uh, discard step so uh so no i don't run it uh, i really like underworld breach and i don't think yagmas will is good enough to run as a card anymore um so that means it's one less graveyard recursive piece that i have mm-hmm. uh, so i really need to prioritize that underworld breach is a very good graveyard. Structure. And you're also not running Faithless. Faithless looting? No, I am not. not um, not I don't think. Anymore. I don't think. As far as uh, a card, it is good enough for this deck. Um, so, as far as the rest of the card velocity package, we talked about Dark Confidant. I'm playing Ledger Shredder. Um, I, I'm considering these card velocity. Ledger Shredder. You don't get card advantage, right? You're discarding that card. That being said, I am playing my graveyard pretty heavily, so it may be some form of card advantage. It does. Fuel my you kind of have those cards in your hand. Yeah, and it fuels you know the the uh, cost for Underworld Breach, so yeah. the Exile Three. So that's pretty nice too. I mean, it's Graveyard real- matters. It doesn't necessarily turn off your deck if you get Tormod's Cryptid, but Graveyard matters. Graveyard matters in counterintuitive the, uh, Graveyard deck. Yes, just because you know I'm wheeling, so that's seven cards in immediately in the graveyard, stuff like that. I so mean, it's, it's a two mana investment that is passively like allowing you to see more cards. Exactly, and that's why I have both. And I thought getting bigger and pressuring other players who are using their life total as a resource yeah. right like that yeah. card's worth a lot of money for a reason yeah there's yeah. potential it can come around and it's like a six you know like a six eight or like a five seven uh the first turn you're able to attack with it right and there's just a lot of times where like i can i can get outraced right i can get outraced by a faster deck a faster combo deck you know like if even grixis there's rograx silas which is significantly faster than my deck um I mean that is that's a relevant consideration for you the speed of this deck because this deck wants to be all gas. So sure, what too. happens when you face up a deck, <laughs> face up against a deck that's faster? Exactly. Well, then I have to pivot to my, albeit fairly small mid range strategy, um, but resolving a card advantage engine like Dark Confidant or getting a wheel plus a payoff or getting a Ristic Study. These are things that allow me to use my interaction not to resolve my combo piece but instead to stop another combo piece although i will say in this deck that is less than ideal do, do you have a fully thought out mid-range plan or do you just have pieces that work in that shell if you need to pivot good question so uh step one when i'm looking at a hand is uh find my win condition or find my turn one malcolm and a payoff mm-hmm. um and actually before we get into this i have a follow-up question yeah. to that are you sitting down at the table, looking at the other commanders, and going, "Oh shit, I can't just go 
with my foot on the gas right now. I you can't have go to, burr. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it does help decide like your first hand is to like when everyone reveals their commanders and what they're playing and you see the colors. That, I mean, once you're like, I don't know, uh, in the you know, in CDH mentality and you start studying decks and like their play styles and all these different things, you're going to be like looking at a commander and just sort of assessing what mm -hmm. like that, the pool of cards that that commander can draw from, what are the possibilities of it like competing with me and what can it use to like affect me? So like when you keep a starting hand against what you know is to be a traditionally like stacks heavy deck, yeah, it's going to change like the way that you're going to like perceive mm -hmm. your starting hand yeah well, what what more i'm getting at is what are the commanders that you see when you sit down with this malcolm list where you go oh shit i'm not the beat down i'm gonna have to play a mid-range yeah sit back a little bit yeah um if i see like a if i see like a rogue rack silas i am i'm pretty aware of something like that um pretty much fast combo decks you know like stick fingers or something like that it's just really goto it's just anything that's like get a ton of mana drop your combo piece and it's super easy to assemble like i'm always worried about that like it's not a deck that's explosive it's a deck that's nuclear yeah yeah they're just trying to assemble one right and the yes. other on the other hand i also have to be really weary of cards that or decks that mid-range better than me which is pretty much all of them mm. so if i don't win and by turn two we're getting into the mid mid game and a lot of other decks will do that significantly better than I can do that. So to kind of answer your question, Ritter, my mid-range strategy, if you want to call it that, is what I'm calling the Wheel Thief package of this deck. Um, so it is a wheel plus a payoff. This way, it allows me to go fast and look for a fast hand, right? So I'm always looking for just tons of gas up front, hopefully getting a turn one Malcolm, hopefully getting you know a payoff or a tutor. Um, but if I can dump my hand and resolve a wheel, turn one or two, I pretty much have disrupted three opponents without having to cast any interactive spells. Um, while also supporting your game plan. While also supporting my game plan, while also getting me closer to my combo pieces, while also filling my graveyard for Underworld Breach, and while also drawing more interaction to either ensure that I win when I try and go off or to keep my hand full of counter spells if I'm at a pod that's very aggressive and trying to... Um, beat me beat me to the win yeah your mid-game strategy with like any wheel you put any wheel into the graveyard and like let's say you discard your hand and you end up rolling into an underworld breach like that there it is yeah like, i mean wheel boom. of fortune combos with led and underworld breach so yep. casting a wheel of fortune early game and being like all right hey i just drew my led underworld breach there we go like this stuff happens literally all the time like in the the upside of playing such a high card quality with wheels is that when you draw seven cards it's probably a pretty impactful hand um, and that's kind of the goal, is I don't want to like wheel into a ton of cantrips and stuff that's just kind of garbage. Um, so I say for my payoff for the, the wheel thief strategy is just something that lets you get added advantage on top of the wheel, because it is, we need to be mindful that wheels are something that benefit everybody. Um, and it's really bad to give your opponents a ton of cards. You've told yep. me that for years. Like ever since I built that Zera deck, you've just been like a broken record saying like, don't give your opponents cards. It's bad. And guys, the blue wheel is literally called windfall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's right there. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't run wheel of misfortune, but I pretty much run all the other good ones, save for time twister. Wheel of misfortune is not good. It's not good. Yeah. Uh, fair is, enough. It, it is we a, saw it in, in yeah. this week's not, game yeah, rewind. Not, well, not just based on that, but it's a budget wheel alternative. If you, can afford the other wheels it's like fifth in line and i'm also on ad nauseum so i'm not really interested to start gambling my life away yeah that. we literally saw the worst outcome possible yeah. for wheel of fortune this last week <laughs> and uh i had cast it and paid life equal to jordan's life total so you couldn't pay more and then him and chris paid the same amount so no one wheeled except for me i think the worst outcome is that we all bet the same amount and that way we lose that much life and then nobody wheels hey that is i the think worst that possible. is the max okay, we have that's something the worst possible. in the next game believe it or not this yeah, card yeah. does get worse than that <laughs> Um, so I'm running three wheels, Whispering Madness, Windfall, and Wheel of Fortune. I think that's more than enough, but the payoffs I'm running for them, the most well-known ones are Notion Thief and Narset, uh, both saying that Narset says each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn, so if you were to wheel on your turn, they would all draw one card, uh, and then you would draw the rest, um, or you draw the seven. Um, and then the other payoff is Notion Thief. Uh, if an opponent would draw a card except the first one he or she draws in each of his or her draw steps, instead that player skips that draw and you draw a card. So this one says they draw zero cards. Yeah. And, and you you get hate to see that Notion Thief drop against you. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, this is why Hole Breacher was banned. Yeah, like, exactly. And, and Notion, Thief, Notion, Notion Thief is just worse enough, just slightly, slightly worse enough, you know, to not yeah. be banned. Right. I two colors, no extra abilities. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I feel like pre-Commander Legends, everybody was like, wheels are dope. And then, and then, 
uh, Hall Preacher came out, and everybody's like, wheels are really dope. Yeah. And then Hall Preacher got banned, and everybody's like, wheels are terrible. Yeah, wheels are bad because the best piece <laughs> that was ever made for wheels <laughs> yeah. is gone. Yeah, so I was like, it was still a viable strategy before it. I think yeah. we can still find some room to fit these cards in. Well, we're starting to see like uh, decks pop up at tournaments that are like older strategies that are just happening, like they sneak through to the, exactly. to the final table. So, so like, this could be my little old school package that this, I'm I, I absolutely love this. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm dumping my hand, so I need to refill, and like I've just accepted the fact that resolving a Ristic study is not enough to keep me in the game when I have two cards left. Yeah, and uh, there's newer cards that come out that like add to this wheel package. Like uh, we talked a little bit about like Dothy, how like inherently it just sits there and collects a lot of cards. You know? Yes, but that is yeah. much better than that. This yeah. is I think nobody's talking about this, but I think Dothy Voidwalker is the new goat wheel payoff because Dothy is just incredible by itself. But then if you wheel with Dothy out, you're exiling every single card your opponents are, are losing, and now you have access to all of them. And your stuff goes to the grave still, right? Your stuff still goes to the grave, so you're essentially filling your graveyard, filling your hand, and filling the exile with up to maybe 21 cards that you now have access to. Dothy is all upside. If you are in black mana, you should be playing it's it. absolutely insane. It, so it's casting. It, you're casting that spell from exile without paying any mana. Mm-hmm. First of all, you can do it at instant speed, right? Yep. Uh, it has shadow. It's a three-two shadow creature. Yeah. Like they're it, all upside. It is. It is. It's a rogue. <laughs> yeah. Currently, it's only ten dollars. So yeah. It's like it one of the cheapest pickups. Absolutely ludicrous. Uh, so yeah, those are my three cards. Where it's just if I have that out and I resolve a wheel, I feel like I'm in a very commanding position in that game. Um, and then it is. You said something in a previous episode, Chris. It's just like keep your win as simple as possible, and that way everything else is just supporting your strategy. Well, um, we were talking about uh, off mic uh, about how party doesn't doesn't have good enough payoffs yet, and you're investing five cards at a minimum for a mediocre payoff. Right, and yeah. that's why party's not good enough. And the best payoff is coveted prize, and that like we see how good that is when it happens and when it resolves. It just you know you read yeah. the card and inherently you're just like I have to have four creatures on the board too, you know. But if you keep things simple, where your combo, where your win con is one or two or three cards with uh, you know redundancy, mm-hmm. and none of them are dead when you draw them without the combo pieces, that's money. Exactly. That's, that's where you want. That take. leads to that extremely high card quality. No wombo combo. No wombo combo. Yeah, I uh, I gotta say I absolutely love this deck. Looking at this list right now, it feels really clean. Um, oh, because I'm running uh, wheels again, I have added two reanimation spells. I've added reanimate, which gets a creature from any graveyard, uh, and I've grabbed unearth. Unearth only gets from my graveyard and CMC three or less. I was gonna say how sexy that unearth is when I saw it in your list. I was just like, wow, that feels is good, so man. good. Feels good. Yeah. Uh, notably, it grabs Thassa's Oracle out of my graveyard. Mm-hmm. It I grabs. Mean, I mean, the only Lanthorn thing it, out of my graveyard. It, yeah. it does everything except for Notion Thief in your graveyard. Yes, and like, and so it even helps. It gives me this redundancy, or I guess I would say more of like this. Uh, this like safety net with wheeling and I just like, all right, I have a glint horn and a wheel of fortune in my hand. It's like, all right, I'll wheel it away. And I now have two cards I know in my deck and I have plenty of tutors to also find those cards that if I draw one of them, I can go get my reanimate spell and get actually a discount on my Glinthorn instead of casting for the one red red. And the creature doesn't even come in tapped, which is actually a big thing. A lot of these effects will say like the creature comes in tapped, but this right. is just like, nope, this comes to the battlefield. Like you're actually saving mana. Yeah, it's like actually wheeling insane. the glint horn to the grave and then picking up an unearth. Yep, and I will say uh, the added upside. Shout out to uh, comedian MTG for turning me into this one, but uh, allow uh, getting two reanimation spells in this deck enables a whole new intuition pile um, because now in this deck specifically, if you have Malcolm out and you just resolve an intuition, your three cards are glint horn, reanimate, and unearth, and now mm-hmm. they have no option but to give you Glinthorn, essentially. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you're going to get the cheaper. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and not for nothing in this deck, uh, it might be worthwhile to recur Dolphy Voidwalker because that oh, is yeah. a sacrifice ability to grab that card from Exactly. X5. There's plenty it of It might be worthwhile to pieces. get a Dockside again and get a whole bunch of treasures if your mana's short. Yep. I'm if playing that, enough Sacrifice outlets yeah. that if you have a Dockside, you kill it. You can even, you know, Diabolic Intent, sacrifice it, go get the Reanimate spell, get the Dockside back. Like, there's... 
tons of value plays to be done with these cards outside of just actively winning the game. Mm -hmm. And I think that just speaks to the high card quality. Yeah, let's just look at this. You only have one creature that is over three CMC or CMV. One creature that is more than three mana. And that yeah. is like the Notion Thief. So that like, is Notion Thief. Yep. Yeah, so any creature, basically any creature that's in your deck is going to be hit by this. And like one creature in particular that we've had a lot of discussion about is Gilded Drake. Like you can Gilded Drake somebody through an Unearth. Like that's actually pretty yeah, hot. Reanimate the Gilded that's Drake. actually pretty hot. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So yeah, you literally reanimate anything except for the Notion Thief with that, which is fantastic. Right. Um, yeah, so in my removal package that I wanted to chat about, I'm not going to talk about everything, but the two I'm really prioritizing right now, excuse me, is um, March of Swirling Mist and Gilded Drake. Uh, I'll talk about Gilded Drake first because that's what you brought up. Gilded Drake is fantastic. Uh, I feel like people are playing it less and less and less and less and less as we go along. I don't really understand why. Um, I do get that it's kind of like a, uh, like almost like an incestuous meta card because it's just Gilded Drake is better when everybody's playing Gilded Drake. It feels like you need to have a Gilded Drake in your deck when your entire place, your entire table is playing Gilded Drake. Otherwise, you know, you're going to lose your commander and never get it back. Um, so I've seen plenty of like Gilded Drake wars where, you know, someone casts an Ajila, someone Gilded Drake's an Ajila. Next turn, they Gilded Drake it back. Um, that being said, I think, I think there's still plenty of instances where it's just, one, disrupts somebody's whole game plan with a two-drop card. You know, you grab their commander, you grab a Winota, you grab whatever. Um, but on top of that, grabbing a Hate Bear and leveraging that into your um, to your advantage, or just at the very least... Yeah, there's enough stack, stack pieces that read your opponents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like an asymmetrical stack piece, so notably... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Evan, help me out here. I can't even think. I, I'm trying to think of the name as you're oh talking. Oh my and I, goodness! Honestly, I cannot. We were literally just yeah. discussing. Um, this. I'm in. I'm in. Creatures shame. and lands your opponent control onto the battlefield. Tap. No, no, no. no. Pretty common. Opponent. Dranith Magistrate. Yeah, oh my goodness. Go. I'm like, I'm like go. is it Dothy? Do we even play CDH? <laughs> okay. Literally, this happened like a few weeks ago. I gilded Drake Evans. Uh, Dothy. Doth no, Dranith. The Dranith. Oh Magistrate. yeah, yeah, Dranith. Yeah. And uh, what an awesome feeling that was. I mean, well, because I was popping off. I was literally ready to go into my turn and combo win like yeah like zakama was ready and ready to go and like for the loop and he saw that and just yeah the drake yeah. the, the not, drake only, away, not only did i stop the stack space from hurting me i kept it on the table to continue pinning down my other two opponents and then i've used it to pin down the opponent that played it i think it is fantastic and that might be you know a peak upside for this card but I think there's plenty of like grab somebody's crumb. All of a sudden, you have a card advantage engine, yeah. right? Well, like, you're playing white. You know, if some, you see someone at the table's playing white, they're gonna have a Draineth in their deck. Yeah, like that's just it. Yep, that's how good it um, is. Even like, even if you can't like say it's a not asymmetrical, like a uh, collector oof. There's plenty of times where I could kill the Drake your collector oof and then sacrifice it to an effect that is fairly easy for me to do. Um, so I, I am still hot on Gilded Drake. Uh, time will tell if it stays on the list, but I think it's there. I think, I, I, think it's I feel like it has a place in there, especially just for getting your commander back. You don't right. have in three colors. You don't have the extra space in your mana package for Homeward Path. Right. So literally, yeah, it, and, it's, uh, it's worth it. So the one thing I want to kind of talk about with all this interaction stuff. Yes, this does just look like a really Grixis y Grixis list, but everything is kind of curated in mind with what our game plan is trying to be here, which is resolve one of these combo spells that wins me the game, or dump a ton of mana and get a wheel. Those are pretty much my two play patterns. Um, so all of my interaction is really like, I need to make sure that my spells are resolving. I really am going to have a bad time if I sit back and I'm trying to play table police. Um, You've done it too many times. I've done it too many times, and it doesn't work. This deck is terrible at it. This deck needs to just try and win, and that's really what I'm focusing. So that's why I'm like, Clinthorn, and that's why I've stuck with Malcolm, honestly, is like, Thassa's Oracle and Demonic Consultation is fantastic, and I feel like Glinthorn Malcolm is just a second two-card combo, one of which is in my command zone. Um, that makes it just so easy for me to keep offering threats as opposed to me trying to like sit back and find the right time to drop a threat or make sure that I have everything in the world together so that I know my, my one time I try and win actually resolves. I would rather just be like, Glinthorn, nope. Okay, Thassa's Oracle to Mountain Constitution, nope. You have okay. some resiliency built yes. in for because you know you're going to see interaction, yep. and you don't want to have a glass cannon that you know tries to go off, and if it gets stopped, you have nothing to do for the rest of the game. Exactly, and then I, that's why I keep coming back to this wheel package. I think like that mentality of just, I want to keep going, I want to keep putting the pressure on my opponents, I want to keep making them have it. I think Disrupt their hands, disrupt, too. And exactly, and then so 
if they do have it and I'm down to two cards, great. Get a wheel out, keep going, just keep going, just keep going. That's why I have the reanimation spells too. It just allows me to keep going. And I really think that this is going to make this deck the best it's ever been is that kind of mentality. I And I think I'm a big proponent of like the cards that you like, the cards that you're a fan of, you're a better player when you play them, totally. even if they're not optimal. And like Jordan, you as a player, you're a player that like when you get knocked out of the game, you don't just go, well, I'm knocked out and you're in bad mood. You are still trying to keep things going and trying to like, you know, you don't have a win con or an out in this deck <laughs> and you'll just keep going sometimes. Like with I never give up. Play, play to your <laughs> outs. I've and, always played your out. Yeah. Play to your outs, even if they don't exist. How many times have we won though? Like when you, when we felt like that and you just, you kept going, you just like yeah. kept playing. Like Evan yep. does it all the time. And this deck is built to do that, to this lean deck? into your tendencies as a player. True. You know, maybe but, like that's what we're talking is like, it looks like Grix's deck, but it really thoroughly feels like my deck. Like this feels like a really good personalized deck. And maybe that's why, because it fits my playstyle so well yeah i think before you were talking about it like being a glass cannon and just not like being this like very personalized like your very own deck it was like when i was sitting there watching you or like sitting at the table with you like helping you test this deck out i actually felt like i had a better chance winning when you were trading blows with someone else at the table yeah it's like i'm sitting there i'm just like yeah fight him fight him you yeah know? the amount of times i like i fought a counter war and then looked at my hand then look at evan's hand and i just felt bad because he just was fine and just kept on kept like, on so doing I'm, his thing. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep doing keep, keep doing, doing my thing. thing. Um, sweet. So the other yeah the other removal spell I was talking about kind of with namely of executing our game plan is March of Swirling Mist. I think it is fantastic getting to phase out multiple creatures at once. We're in ad nauseum deck, so we're obviously gonna get pressured if people have creatures. Um, that is not insignificant. Uh, we always got to be mindful that creatures are just an ever present growing thing in the meta right now. Um, this card is slept on. Yeah, so creatures are combo pieces. Creatures are hate bear stacks pieces. Creatures are just big and going to swing at you. All, are any three of those an issue for you as a player in a CDH game? Well, you might want to consider March of Swirling Mist. Um, getting to phase out multiple things and just kind of shut off whatever is hurting me at the time and uh, getting to pitch extra cards to do so, I think uh, is huge. Yeah, I mean, the meta is going through this like strange transitional shift where we're starting to see more creature shells like top in like or at least sit at the final table and we don't have answers for them. No one's playing sweepers because for the yep. longest time we're like targeted removal, targeted removal. Yep. And while this is still targeted removal, it is like widespread. You actually get, are choosing what you're getting rid of. So you exactly. can like, you don't have to waste this mana. You, you know, it's very efficient. And I think that's like why I think it's slept on, why it's not played as much as it should be mm -hmm. is that like you're not you don't actually don't have to waste resources and if you exiling if you're exiling a blue card from your hand to like add that two extra well like sweet i guess that's a cherry on top yeah you know, it's like use exactly that mana, i guess i guess that's going yeah on i mean like blue and one is not way too much to pay for this and more often than not i think that effect is going to be all you need out of this card yeah. but then if you want to go ham and and phase out four things go for it phasing is just way stronger than I guess like it's given credit for because it doesn't allow ETB triggers to like happen again too. So like you can take away people's like dock sides, like at instant speed, someone's going to like try to copy a dock yeah, side like to like image the dock side. Yeah. image the dock side. And it's just like, Nope, that dock side's gone. And then when it comes back, Nope, you don't get that trigger. Yep. And I like, I do love playing dress down, but I think in this deck for what this deck is trying to do, I'm not trying to sit back and wait for a, a dress down to be viable. I just, I need a March of Swilling Mist for when I'm trying to win and there's something stopping me. Right. Um, so I think uh, that pretty much covers all the, uh, the main lines, the, the reanimator line, the wheel line. Uh, I will say that something I've been seeing lately and a big old fan of is playing city of traders in addition to ancient tomb so now you have two lands that give you the double colorless one obviously just ramp which is great i mean fast mana is fast good mana. unconditionally fast mana is CDH. good un unconditionally uh yeah. let me point out why i think it's so good here uh we're in grixis so we don't really have any other option for ramp other than artifacts um i am playing one of the talismans i'm playing talisman of dominance as well as felwar stone and arcane signet we can call that th that as well uh, these are all two colorless mana rocks that now you can play off of a single land, which notably all three, Felwar Stone, you know, as long as your opponents have those lands, all three of those plus that land will get you a Malcolm, which I think is uh, not anything to scoff at. Um, you could play more. You could play all the Talismans if you wanted to. I'm not playing Grim Monolith right now, but that's another two drop uh, 
piece that that's like an economic consideration though you would be playing it if you had one honestly it maybe uh i've taken it in and out of list multiple times i and i'm currently playing talisman dominance intentionally over grim monolith right now um i think this deck rarely needs generic mana like that short of resolving an ad nauseum but it's really never been hard to have five mana for me ever and not even using a good monolith. So uh, in, this, in, in this instance, I'm prioritizing Talisman of Dominance, which is a repeatable color source of mana versus Grim Monolith, which more often than not is just a three colorless ritual. Yeah, one, you time, one time you. Rarely are you, unless you're reanimating it or you know, Voltaic keying it back, you're rarely getting that again. Um, so I'm going to see it. We're testing that out. That is a flex slot right now for sure. But I really think, you know, I need that turn one blue source for Malcolm slash interaction. And it also gives me black to hit the double pip on ad nauseum, the double pip on Dothy and the triple pip on PETA. Are there any other cards that are like borderline for you in this build right now that you're like, does this make the cut? Does this not? Like, yeah. what are cards 101, 102, 103 right I mean, now? that's a great question. And what's crazy is like, I've, I've had like four iterations in this deck and that's 20 cards different all the time. So, I mean, there are a fair amount, I feel, flex slots. Um, all the time, I feel like Narset Part of Veils is not good enough to be in this deck. Um, although it is the wheel payoff. When it's relevant, it's relevant. When if it, like it's, it's just that. It's, it's really yeah. good. And it's card advantage. You know, you get two activations more often than not. Um, and I have run a lot of instances of sorceries, 16 instants, 26, or sorry, 16 sorceries, 26 instants. So plenty of hits. You're almost always going to hit it off of Narset. Um, it just so happens to be one of those stacks pieces that people will see it and think they have to kill it immediately. And when you're sitting at a CDH yeah. table, the table does not think that way. The table sees it and they go, yes, this is hurting me, but it might be hurting everyone else a lot more. You know, until the until that wheel resolves, I think that that's what sends the red flag up is they see Narset and they immediately think, oh, here comes the wheel. Like, I'm about to right. lose my hand. I'm not drawing a card for the rest of the game. But um, I think that, like, when you're not seeing the wheels or, like, when you're just, like, putting it out as, a, like, a generic value, mat, like, stacks piece, right. it's, like, it's really good in that way. Yeah, I mean, like, if I have an opening hand I have a Narset and I have a very much, like, a guaranteed cast of Narset, whether it's, like, a turn one Malcolm and that treasure when I attack on turn two gives me the second blue pip, um, I, usually, I usually keep that hand, like, being able to reliably get, you know, two activations, dig eight cards deep. Everyone's trying to see more cards. Every Everyone's trying to draw more cards. Exactly. And so I think because, like we were saying earlier, this deck just needs inherent like amount of card velocity to just get me to where I'm going, get me to what I need to see. Narset does that for me, while also being a wheel payoff. Mm -hmm. If it if it stays, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, as other than that, uh, some flex slots. I don't disagree with you at all with Imperial Recruiter. I think Grim Tutor is fantastic, and I, I feel like Imperial Recruiter reads a lot like Smothering Tithe, where like if you're in the colors for it, you're like, oh, that's an auto include. Right. But there are so many times where I'm like, well, Smothering Tithe just doesn't go in this deck. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the situation mm -hmm. here. Very important to recognize those kind of things. I actually agree. I think I want to take that out and do some testing without that. Um, well, with this wheel shell, too, there's another card that is, like, rising up and has, has seen some play, like Mnemonic Betrayal. Yes. I know that, like... Yeah, I'd say this some, is a flex someone, slot for sure. Right? Yeah, well, someone who doesn't know what this deck is trying to do might just look at it and be like, oh, that is probably one of your flex slots. It's one of the cards that you're not really, like, super solid on. But mm -hmm. when I think about it more, and I think about it more, and I think about it more, it's like the amount of people are playing Mana Crypts and Mana Vault, you know, and stuff like that. This doesn't say, like, you can cast instants and sorceries from your opponent's graveyards. It says, no, you can cast everything from yep. your opponent's graveyards. And it's doing a lot of the same things that Praetor's Grasp would it be is. doing in this deck. Like yep. you, maybe your combo got stifled and you can just grab it from your opponent who also got stifled by interaction. Yep, it gives exactly. you access to like different colors too. So like you can use your treasures to like, uh, does it allow you to cast things with any mana? It does. You can yeah. use any, any, yeah, any color of mana to like cast these spells. So like you can take things that are like green and you, you know, might want carpet of flowers for you know or exactly something, you know you're getting like crazy valued permanents that are just mm -hmm. being happen to be wheeled to the graveyard. You know, so like yeah, like a carpet of flowers is great. You can get like I'm uh, not seeing enough cards. I'll take that Sylvan Library that yeah. removed. Yeah, I mean there's white that's like going to the graveyard. So like I I will cast your Draineth from your graveyard. Yep. Right. Like yep. I, I think take those that Draineth. Like, yeah, and we're we're wheeling right. So like you know people are keeping good hands in CDH. Like they're not keeping bad hands. And the density of card quality is 
high. Across the board, very, very, very high. So you'll you know, find a target you like. Yes, and like you yes. said, Ritter, with Praetor's Grasp, everybody's playing Thassa's Oracle if they can. So if mm. I wheel and I get a Praetor's, Praetor's Grasp, or not Praetor's Grasp, if I get a Thassa's Oracle or if I get a one of the other pieces like the Tainapag Demonic Consultation, well, then it's really freaking easy for me to assemble that. Yeah, the so, entry price is one, a blue, and a black at sorcery speed, but... I don't see that really being a problem because, like, you're you're not playing this on turn two, and there's a lot. This of is times, a late game. Play. Yeah, there's a lot of times on turn two in your deck where you're sitting there and you have six plus mana. So imagine yeah. how much mana you have access to exactly. when you're looking at turn five. Yeah, yep. and it kind of looks like looking at your list, you're playing this card over Yogmoth's will. Like this is kind of in that slot. This is my Yogmoth's will. Yeah, yep. I, this I don't a, think it's great at all. A PSA: Yogmoth's will is just not that good anymore. I I mean I love the card. I used to own the card but i traded away i just it's not something i use ever and i'm gonna agree, i'm gonna agree so with better. that just to tank the value of it to get a copy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i disagree so the, i mean the artwork yagmas wills the artwork is worth it alone it's pretty red um let's see i just want to see if there's anything else i missed this is pretty much the whole bit guys wrap it up jay wrapping it up wrapping it up i do think uh mnemonic betrayal still flex spot still testing but i the upside is crazy. The upside is crazy, and this deck needs some mid-range or like later game plays than just trying to do the early game plays late. Yeah. The only time yeah. that card feels bad, I feel like, is in in your opening hand. Yes. Yeah. yeah ideally, you, you just mully it that. away. Unless your hand is like so freaking good, you're sitting on like yeah. I mean, you don't even want it in a wheel. Like if you're sitting on a wheel and demonic and betrayal, it's like oh, I'm just like pitching this to the grave right. for underworld breach fodder later. Uh, yeah, uh, and one of the cards we just recently cut, I was talking to you guys yesterday because I had four cards I had to cut, was um, Mizzix Mastery. And that was kind of an option I had for kind of going back and uh, allowing me to, like I was saying, just trying to keep attempting the win. Yeah. Uh, but you guys convinced me to try maybe uh, Mnemonic Betrayal over that, just kind of the the general value this is going to have, especially in a wheel package, I think it's going to be great. So I think it'd be really cool to see, too. It's one of those cards that you see it happen, and you're just like, yes. yes. That feels as good it as feels pretty. It's going to feel good to cast. It's going to yeah. feel pretty damn good. feels yeah. so good. All right, guys, uh, that's all I got for you. Thank you so much for uh, listening to me do my spiel about my favorite deck. Get off your soapbox. I'm getting off my soapbox. Any last questions? Any last remarks? Ooh, no counterbalance in this list? No yeah, counterbalance. That's true. That's your favorite card. No right? counterbalance. I love counterbalance. But you are hot on that card. Like I said, this deck has to make sure that my interaction is helping me win. And uh, I, I can't take the chance of sitting back and sitting hoping back. it helps you. Also, uh, you'll notice that I don't have a single counter spell that is more than a s one mana. It I is. mean, for the most part, your counter spells are free. Exactly. Like, one mana is like you have to think about it. Yes, yeah. exactly. So uh, notably, I don't even play delay, which Evan was talking about the lack of like creature interactions and creature counters. I don't play delay as much as I'd like to, um, just because it's two mana. I gotta, I gotta keep it, uh, keep it lean, and I'm not trying to counter creatures. I need my my spells to be zero or one to uh, ensure that I win the game. But that's all I got. Uh, I'm going to be taking this to a tournament maybe tomorrow, a little online Mox Masters tournament, and then Evan and I are going down to a tournament in Olympia, Washington two weeks from now. Uh, uh, find out what they look like, come up and say hi, bother them. Yeah. Yeah, come bother us. Yeah, if you are one of the few people listening to this podcast right now and you want to come uh, <laughs> say what's up, then uh, do There's that. There's a lot of people listening to this podcast. If you're podcast. one of our avid fans, come uh, come say what's up. Yeah, Jordan will be taking this Malcolm deck, and then we're going to be doing another deck workshop here in the near future that's going to highlight my deck that I'm taking, which is uh, Zakama, mm -hmm. king of the food chain. Zakambo. And then we're also going to be having Ritter talk about his Dina protein hulk list, which uh, I am in love with right now. I'm very it's excited very cool to watch. It, those are lines that I don't quite exactly. Understand. I just yeah. don't know anything about it. How do you get there? I want to. I want to talk about it. So We're uh, find this, out. Yeah. So for like an hour. Yeah, hour and some change like this. Uh, Nine minutes, yeah. five seconds. You know, exactly. It's a it's a passion project, so we're going to ramble a little bit more than normal. Uh, but if you guys like this kind of uh, format, let us know. If you have any decks you want to see workshops, let us know. You know what? I might actually want to talk about Katilda. Uh, yeah. Before that, before Dina, um, talking about how to play out a stacks deck. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, like choices, the early game choices you make are very different than mine. So yeah, I'd love to hear about it, hear your processes, hear your thoughts. Um, awesome. You guys got anything else? No, let's get it. All right, sweet guys. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in. This has been the Mock Stars podcast. Uh, we'll catch you next Friday. Yeah, catch us down in the in the description yeah, below. Yeah, link tree down yeah. below. Like, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. Peace out, guys. Yeah. Goodbye. Deuces.